virtualizing Windows on the M1 Max with Parallels. This is Mac Voices. Today's edition of Mac Voices is supported by Rocket Money. Take full control of your subscriptions with Rocket Money at rocketmoney.com slash macvoices. This week's Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Collide is an endpoint solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT, end users. Learn more at collide.com slash macvoices. Welcome to Mac Voices. This is the talk of the Apple community, and I'm Chuck Joyner. Folks, this time around, the Mac Voices Live panel tackles an article that announces Parallels virtualizing the ARM version of Windows on the M1 Max and what that might mean for the future of running Windows software. Let's go back and let the panel do the talking. Brett in the chat room says, I know about Netflix games from the start, but I have no idea where to go to access them or try them out. So, Brett, there there's you a go. game tab in the uh, there's, there's the mobile games. You just search games. And at the top, there's where it comes up and showing on the screen here for the listeners that, that the mobile games are up there. Mm. That's great. I, I want to take us off that. topic for just a second and point out that that uh, uh, web the way you're just presenting yourself, you look like you're the boss of us, and I feel like we really <laughs> need to step up our game, and this is going to reflect poorly in our evaluation. <laughs> and, and Jeff, you don't know that his background is actually his office. Uh, I I absolutely believe that. Yeah. That whole that whole building is office. The helipads out back. Yeah, anyone that wants to come there. into into Webb's building that is his exclusive office <clears throat> has to get uh, a special clearance, a special badge, uh, and I'm assuming that that there's a, a gift bag that you give to people on their way out, and it has like uh, like Web oh, trinkets and Web merchandise and uh, and T-shirts that say "I was at Webb's office." Uh, there's your special badge. So, see, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see, see, he and the card good, key to go with it. So, he has such good security. He has to show security the ID to get in. Well, so, and he is the CEO, you know. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the, the the picture I changed. It's the lobby to the building. So, that's very nice. That's very nice. It, it's you know it's so humble how you say the lobby to the building when it's really the lobby to your office the entire building <laughs> i presume is your exclusive office yeah no yeah. so yeah he did point to a particular window and said this yeah. is my office yeah 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 um, it's me and 499 other people so <laughs> but do they all work for you yeah <laughs> i hope so <laughs> wow um Brian, you know how many room. people work there? About half of them. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's a government job. <laughs> oh boy. Okay. We let's see. Who else can we offend tonight? Yeah. Um, Brian in the chat room says, "A sound like this may be a marketing issue for Netflix. Look how long it took a group of people who are dialed into tech to know where and how to access these games. That's a real. To be point. fair, this launched last year." This isn't a long-standing uh, thing for Netflix. No, I think Brett's exactly right, or Brian. Yeah, that was that was Brian. Because yeah, Brett... I, I think this is a huge fail on Netflix's part. Oh, yeah. Even if you looked in the, in that help article we shared uh, under available games, it's a short list of games. 
on Brett, Brett Sheridan follow up on the chat room. I'm going to have to download the Netflix app since I normally do all of my Netflix watching on Apple TV. So you would think with all the ads and Netflix runs about you know, all the other content they have that they might have just mentioned somewhere. We have games. I wonder what percentage of Netflix users are watching on uh, a mobile device. Well, if you count iPads, I watch a, do a lot of streaming watching on my iPad. Yeah, and now um, we're going to see if I can find uh, stats on that. Well, again, while Jeff's looking, um, I wanted to ask Webb and Eric, since they're our guests here tonight, anything you've, you all have seen in the news or anything that um, you've experienced recently that you'd like to bring up and talk about? Because it, I, I shared, you know, a story of mine earlier, um, but I think every week it seems like some somebody has had some some hiccup or some issue or some resounding success. Um, any anything come to mind for either one of you, gentlemen? You know, I there is something that that uh, I saw today. I can't tell you where I saw it, just somewhere on my uh, homepage when I fire up my browser. Uh, well, what's the future life of the um, Mac Studio? Um, I've bought two of them, one for myself, one for my wife. I really like it a lot. And I got the uh, the Apple, not the HDR display, but the studio display to go with it. And it's had its quirks, uh, including the firmware update that just was announced. Um, and it, the sound, I'm not sure if you're in or, or know about that or not, but uh, I, I'm trying to understand what the hardware path is now for apple um um you know i didn't i my office computer right now is a trash can mac pro and i'm one of the few people that like it the downside is is that it's approaching nine years old right now and i need to uh, move on to to something else um and the 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 most recent mac pro that's out right now is that uh, uh the way that thing's priced and configured, I got to get committee approval to make that purchase because it's so expensive. Um, um, so I'm, I'm just wondering um, what this professional level is. You know, I, I have a MacBook and I do like that. In fact, I this one that I have right now is one that I got last year and it's the best laptop I've ever had. Um, battery life is incredible, for example. But I'm trying to figure out what Apple's trying to predict what Apple's hardware strategy is between the Mac mini and uh, the M2 chip. Maybe there's going to be a mini pro and then where's the studio fit. You know, there's going to be a, a, a Mac pro of some kind down the, down the line. And then on going down on the other side, <clears throat> there's the, the, the current iMac, um, uh, which I, I view that as more of a consumer machine as opposed to a business machine. Yeah, people could argue that either way. Um, but anyway, just does anybody have any opinion? What's, you know, I'll start with the they came out with the Mac Studio. Does it have a future? I am happy to prognosticate, Webb. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so here's my take. Uh, the the Mac Studio. Apple could have released as the Mac Pro if they if they had chosen to go down that path because of the horsepower it has. They didn't. So that tells me that what they're going to release as the Mac Pro is going to be just absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Um, 
So as far as where does that leave the studio in the mix? Well, uh, you tossed out the term uh, like the the mini pro. I think that's that even though that's not the name, I think that's ultimately where the studio fits in the mix, where, where you have the the mini form factor ish with uh, much higher level features than you would get from a standard mini. Uh, so I think it's going to stay in the mix. And we will not see a separate computer called the Mac Mini Pro. Seems like mm-hmm. a good analysis. Mac Pro and, is probably also going to have a bonkers price. Yeah. Right. Well, Webb, it's so funny that you brought this up, I swear, because I had this on my list of articles to discuss, and I'll throw it into the chat room, um, to, into both chat rooms right now, <clears throat> talking about uh, the, the Mac Mini M2. Um, might be released, but that there's no there's no Mac Mini redesign on the horizon. And you know, I I, I kind of go with Jeff. I guess what it all comes down to, though, for me is um, how much. I mean, how much computing power do you really need, depending on what you're doing? And, well, I, and I'm not I'm not suggesting that you know the Mac Studio is overpowered for you, Web. But do you think you could? It you know, is. I'll I'll admit it. It is. So. Okay. Yeah, and that's why because I feel like you can you know you could trick out a, a, a an M1 Mac Mini right now, or even even an M1 laptop um, with an external monitor and you know a bunch of connectivity, um, a, a really decent Thunderbolt dock, and you've got yourself a monster machine. And so at at what point? Do we, you know, we've had this discussion before, but at what point do we say the Mac Pro is for the real Pro with a capital P that you know is is rendering out you know hours and days of video and you yeah. know, doing you know five hundred layers in Photoshop and Jeff, I don't know what I'm talking about, so correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, kind of the people That's that are fair. really, yeah, that are really pushing this hardware to the edge, you know, and and so I I I would turn to both of you gentlemen and say. And everybody here, you know, what do you want to see in a machine that we don't already have or can't, with a reasonable expenditure, equip it with? I'm going to not answer your question directly and uh, and instead use it as inspiration for, what, for, for where I'm going, uh, you know, because, hey, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> I like to be inspiring, Jeff. So go for it. And, and you, you, you are okay. So let's look at the Mac Pro, and and we have uh, the average computer user who literally doesn't care and probably doesn't even know that Apple has a desktop computer that has Pro in the name. I think the Mac Pro is uh, is going to uh, not address them on any level, of course. I think for most of us, it's not going to be a product that addresses us either. And the media is going to flip over that and just write the most scathing articles about Apple because uh, Apple didn't cater to them specifically. Instead, I think what Apple is going to do with the Mac Pro is, uh, is take this and position it as a machine for 
the the really high-end people you know so the, the, these are people that uh that work at um uh industrial light and magic and mm-hmm. dreamworks and pixar <clears throat> um disney studios the 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 places that need hardware on a scale where um uh, even like serious pro users, as you're saying, doing 500 layers in Photoshop or Illustrator, it's going to be beyond what they need. And uh, and for everyone else, uh, Web's Mac Mini Pro, the Mac Studio, is going to be more than enough. Um, you know, I I I have looked at some of the files that I have created over time. And I can push the limit of a Mac Pro. Um, and I'm not saying that as a brag, just, hey, you know, look at this. I can bring a computer to its knees. I guess I am bragging. Um, <laughs> so if I were doing that all the time, every day, a Mac Studio would be more than sufficient for those needs. But if you want me to make graphics for Iron Man uh, 7 or whatever we're up to, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy three, um, I I would want more than that. I I would want the kind of machine that when you turn on the the power to it, the lights in the room dim, and then have to come back up. That's the Mac Pro that I want for that stuff. Okay, okay. Um, Brad in the chat room says he wants to see a redesigned tiny Mac Mini that's power powered off the Thunderbolt cable from the studio display and has performance specs similar to the current 14 and 16 inch MacBook Pro lines. So that would be and a pony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't comment on the on the power off the uh off the studio display, but you know it it you have to wonder. Well, I guess there are obvious reasons. They're not about to put those those higher powered M ones um in the Mac in the Mac Mini because they want to sell you a studio. So that well, makes a certain the, the computer sense. that he just described, um, uh, that has a code name and it's iMac. <laughs> so for us, most of our users were using 27-inch iMacs, which you can't get now. Um, well, and then many of our users aren't actually sitting at a desk in an office they're working remotely so people started switching to laptops and we had them before but the laptops were more for going to conferences rather than surviving 24 7 so they've been using the new laptops that have been coming up uh, for purchase have been the 14 inch uh, macbook pro and the the Apple Studio pretty much matches that for, for performance. And it's the first time, really, that we've seen a desktop machine and a laptop machine where it didn't really matter which machine you were on uh, as far as how you felt while you were using it. There might be a difference in the display size, but the the speed of the machine and functionality of the machine has been good in both places. Uh, we still have a few people that for conference use or whatever, they want the smallest, lightest machine they can get. The MacBook Air worked really well for that. Uh, some of our uh, more active users 
hit limits um, with the, the M1s when you open lots of browser tabs, you hit a point where all of a sudden the machine just becomes unresponsive. Uh, we haven't hit that with the Apple Studio or the 14-inch MacBook Pro. Um, so that's kind of what we lean for, except for the case where we know the person's really only doing a couple of things on the machine or they're bothered by noise. Uh, the, the reduced power, that, that has been a noticeable difference for us. Uh, the fact that I could notice on my power bill if I had two or three 27-inch iMacs at home and I was, you know, compiling yeah. and building stuff, it made a difference in how much I paid at the end of the month. I, I, there isn't a 27-inch iMac now, but the, the Apple Studio fits that. But we did try the, the new iMac, and one of the tests we did with that was to take a Milwaukee Tools M18 battery, and they have a little adapter that's um, got two outlets and a USB and USB-C connector on it. Plug the iMac into that and then ran off of that for a day. And it worked. That to me, that, that just has been amazing. Um, the speed was good. Uh, not quite as good if you wanted gazillions of browser tabs, but just the fact that I could treat an iMac like a laptop, I found to be really impressive. That's actually really cool. That is. Yeah. This edition of Mac Voices is supported by Rocket Money. Start canceling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash macvoices. Are we in a recession? Are we not in a recession? They keep changing the definitions of a recession. But at the end of the day, if you're spending money and not getting the benefit for it, you're losing money. If for no other reason than that, you have to check out Rocket Money. They help you manage and cancel subscriptions you don't want, need, or simply forgot about with just a tap. Sound familiar? That's because you've heard me talk about my favorite app, Truebill, before. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Truebill is now backed by Rocket Companies and just changed their name to Rocket Money. Why? Well, for one, Truebill has grown from a bill management app into a full-on personal finance empowerment tool that helps over 3.4 million people with budgeting, lowering bills, canceling subscriptions, and more saving each of their members, on average, $700 a year. Bottom line, Rocket Money is everything I've loved about Truebill, but with a fresh look and feel. Start canceling your unused subscriptions and save money at rocketmoney.com slash macvoices. That's rocketmoney.com slash macvoices. Thanks to Rocket Money for supporting this week's Mac Voices. Today's Mac Voices is supported by Collide. Collide is an endpoint security solution that uses the most powerful untapped resource in IT, end users. Old school device management tools like MDMs force disruptive agents onto employee devices that slow performance and treat privacy as an afterthought. Collide does things differently, though. Instead of forcing changes on users, Collide notifies your team via Slack when their devices are insecure and gives them step-by-step -step instructions on how to solve the problem. For IT admins, Collide provides a single dashboard that lets you monitor the security of your entire fleet, 
whether they're running on Mac, Windows, or Linux. That visibility makes it easy to prove compliance to your auditors, customers, and leadership. And by reaching out to employees via a friendly Slack message, Collide can help you build a culture in which everyone contributes to security. You can meet your compliance goals today by putting users first. Visit collide.com slash macvoices to find out how. That's collide, K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash macvoices. Thanks to Collide for supporting this week's Mac Voices. So, so let's talk about a, a large 27-inch iMac um, with an M chip in it, M1, M2, whatever. Does that, I mean, does it make sense at this point? Because, Eric, what you're talking about, I mean, it's, to my way of thinking, most for most people, the studio display is going to be overkill. And Apple's already been accused of, you know, well, they're making me pay for something that I really don't need. When it came, when it came, even came to the 27 inch iMac, you know, I don't need this, this gorgeous 5k display. Do I want it? Yes. But do I really need it? No. So is there, is there a case for that integrated computer at this point, or is it better to, for some of us, you know, yeah, you go out and you either buy a studio display or you buy buy a, a, a phenomenal 4K or you get a, an ultra wide like Jeff has um, and, and plug it in because that's what will fit your use case. Um, or do you force somebody to go back and say, this is what I'm going to buy and I'm going to pay the freight and it's going to be the nice integrated package? The Apple Studio really um that it does enough. If you want the iMac experience, you can get the Apple display and get pretty close. Um it's a little bit pricey, but for the most part, all of our users are sitting on a machine for eight to ten hours a day. They're hanging on to their machines for between four and six years. The the cost of the display doesn't really matter over the lifetime of the machine. Uh, it's it's how much stuff you can put on the desktop. Do they have any eye strain? Can they get can they get their work done? And are they happy at the end of it? And and that's more important than oh it's you know a thousand dollars or twelve hundred dollars for a display versus. 600 bucks for a display or 400 bucks for a display. Um, as soon as you hit six years, it doesn't seem to matter a whole lot. That being said, being able to have a bunch of displays that can be used with a Windows box or a Linux box or a Mac, and you, you get the display that you need for your task, as opposed to we have all these machines with 27-inch machine displays, and you get that or or, you know, you get a laptop and plug a display in it. Um, I think at the moment, I'm finding I prefer the flexibility of the, of the Apple Studio. It gives us a lot more options uh, for people that might switch between operating systems. Um, that It's a lot more doable. There are a lot of people crying at losing their 27-inch iMacs and saying, well, can I just use this as a display? And as we swap it out with something and hand them a completely different display, um, there's not, uh, you know, they're not really happy. There's not really anything we can do about it. 
So I, I guess I'm kind of looking forward to having better display options, more flexibility to adjust. Somebody needs a wide display, they get that. They change their minds and, and uh, you know, they switch cubes and the cube doesn't have the height. They can switch to a smaller display or two side-by-side displays or three displays. And can that just work the way they need to? So. Anybody else have thoughts? I think the all-in-one market um, still has uh, a valid place. Uh, what Eric was saying, totally makes sense and uh and in uh in his work environment and a lot of other work environments yeah that's uh uh the the ability to have the that flexibility with pairing uh, a computer with a display versus having the all-in-one i can totally see where that's uh that's a necessary thing uh, when i'm looking at the consumer space what most people want is the ability to open up a box, set something on their desk, and there is no step three. They just want to plug in and go. And uh, and the iMac is so perfect for that. I mean, we're at the point now with the iMac that the only cord you need is a power cord. And if Apple could figure out how to make it work without you having to plug it in ever, they would be all over that. It would be step one, take it out of the box. There is no step two. Uh, and and you know they would pay Jeff Goldblum good money to do that commercial too. Um, so for us, the uh, the serious users, yeah, there's a good argument for for splitting apart the computer and the display. But the consumer space, education space, man, having that all in one, it's it it is just like a perfect mix for so many people. Um, there's been quite a discussion going on in the chat room, and I'm just going to try to paraphrase the, I guess, couple points. But um, Brett was was saying that an M1 uh, Mac Mini works fine for him, that he does some uh, some, some Final Cut, some, what, what was it, uh, Creative Cloud, Logic Pro, um, and the, the point behind him wanting a Mac Mini is that he lets him invest in a 27-inch display and then just upgrade the Mini portion, the Mac Mini, as it's needed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it, I mean, it sounds like we're all over the place here because, you know, I, I'm sitting in front of, I'm not even sure what, what vintage this Mac, uh, this iMac 27 is. Um, it's an Intel, you know, and it does what it does for me. So there was there has absolutely no reason to upgrade it. And I was able to connect a, a secondary monitor to it as well. And I sometimes wonder, and somebody correct me if, the, if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. I think the the current 24-inch iMac will drive a second monitor. So could that be a solution, you know, if you think outside the box a little for, for um, a, a setup like, forgive me, I'm not sure if it was Bob or Eric was saying it, you know, a two-monitor setup that where the iMac is not necessarily your main monitor, maybe a, a very nice high quality 4K is, and then you have a 24 inch off to the side and you have an M1 chip. I bet there's people with that setup right now. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, we've got a, a couple of people that are using that setup um, and and they seem to like it at home. 
because you have the option of having the second display or you just disconnect it and have more space on your desk. Um, at work, a lot of people seem to want a larger display. That's not enough. Um, although we do have a certain number of people that are, are using the iPad as the second display. Um, and so it's an iPad and a laptop in one spot and a laptop in a you know very wide display or much larger display in another spot, kind of depending on where they're going. So yeah, there's kind of a lot of experimenting going on right now and people haven't really settled in for what they're going for. Do we have any feeling for what, you know, how do all-in-ones sell on the on the Windows side? I mean, you know, Apple kind of invented the all-in-one in a way. I think when, you know, the iMacs, you know, nobody yeah. else was selling those machines. Now, you know, there are some all-in-ones, but, you know, my sense in the past was that the PC market was all towers with an external monitor. Um, uh, HP? Uh I'd have to go and look and see what they're offering now, but um, yeah. there's they definitely series. offer it. But how how do they sell? Um, the, um, Hard to say. I don't know what current numbers are like, but they were selling really well. The their uh, pro level business workstations, um, the all in ones, sold pretty well. But don't think of it like an iMac because yeah. they they were thick. And they actually, you would lay them down and their handles and you would pop it open like a briefcase. And then it has all the components in there, just like a desktop computer, but built into, uh, into a really fat display. So you can do upgrades and part swap outs and stuff and uh, for, for the business all-in-one space, that, uh, that Z-Series all-in-one from HP at least a few years ago, was a really popular option. Dell, Dell does have their Inspiron series. They have 24 and 27. Oh, I forgot about ones. the Inspiron. Yeah, so they do have that. And uh, uh, it's it's an interesting market because I've had experience where we've had all-in-ones and I've, I've worked with all-in-ones in the past. And they were very beneficial when we would when you do a lot of training and, you know, like a training room, you know, having mm -hmm. a machine that's easy to set up, set up a room. Um, I can go back to when we used to have gateway to all in one oh. desktops back in, you know, a long time ago. And I was setting those, those suckers up and you know, we buy all these machines. And I think we probably set them up like three times in the whole life of those machines. So, uh, but I think, but in the consumer market, yeah, Inspiron is considered the consumer market and for Dell. So uh, they're not bad machines. They have 27 and 24 inch models. So, I mean, and, and, and they're touchscreen too. So, you know, people who like to have touchscreen in the Windows world, um, you know, it's, it's it's there. But it's it's interesting. You know, I think with that, with Apple, I, I just, the 24-inch, I think, is a pretty popular seller. You don't hear too much about it as much as, as you had when it first came out. Um, I, I'd be interesting to know what those numbers are. But, you know, obviously Apple never sh shares that information. So, um, but you never really, they are, to me, I'm just being just, the one monitoring news all the time talking about the all-in-ones. You don't see a lot of discussion about all-in-ones these days. Okay, here, here's the funny thing on all-in-ones for me right now. I just went to uh, HP's website yeah. to look at the all-in-ones. 
and the whole page renders out, you know, with the uh, with the uh, banner across the top, Intel Core processors, blah blah blah, and then the tabs for the different uh, computer formats. And uh, I've clicked on all in ones, and it's just blank. So, uh, yeah, well done, HP. <laughs> This Mac Voices live panel wraps up in the next edition of Mac Voices, where we talk about running Teams natively on the M1 Macs and why that might or might not be a good idea, the concept of dedicated Microsoft Teams machines, and a few other things. That's next time on Mac Voices, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, and as always, I'm Chuck Joyner. Thanks for watching. Visit macvoices.com for show notes and to connect with Chuck on social media. Get involved in our Facebook group or like our Facebook page and get more out of your Apple tech with Mac Voices Magazine, free on Flipboard and on the web. And if you find value in it all, consider supporting us through either our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash macvoices or by making a one-time donation via the PayPal link on our front page and in the show notes of each episode. You will join these fine people who help bring you Mac Voices. Advertising handled by Backbeat Media at backbeatmedia.com. Bandwidth provided by Cashfly at cashfly.com.